Hello and welcome to the B2B Sales Playbook, brought to you by Lead Forensics. I'm your host, Joe DiCaro. This episode is another from our webinar series, How to Beat Cold Call Anxiety and Smash Your Targets. For this, I was joined by Kevin Hopp, founder of Hopp Consulting Group, and he had no shortage of advice for any sellers who struggle with the anxiety associated with cold calling. I'm actually really proud of this conversation. I really hope you take something from it. So without further ado, here is Kevin Hopp on how to beat cold call anxiety. The thing that stands in our way, Kevin, is the B2B supervillain, the cool anxiety conjurer. Let me tell you a thing or two about the cool anxiety conjurer. Cool anxiety conjurer haunts the sales industry, preying on the fears and insecurities of salespeople. They can induce paralyzing anxiety, create terrifying illusions, distort its voice, which is very scary, and summon obstacles during crucial calls. But fear not, because our webinar and Kevin Hopp is here to help you discover the power of resilience and self-confidence and overcome the cool anxiety conjurer. So, Kevin, my first question to you. Um, could you let us know a little bit about your personal experience with cold call anxiety and what did you do to overcome it during your sales career? Yeah, absolutely. So I started out my uh, sales career as a sales development rep, SDR. And that was back in 2015 when I got my first SDR job. Um, from from that first SDR job, I kept changing jobs. I, I got an account executive job after that. Then I got a senior account executive job. Then I got an enterprise account executive job. And every job that I had, I thought that I finally had beaten the Kundra in that I didn't have to cold call it. I kept thinking mm. the grass is greener on the other side. I just need to find a company that does really good inbound. I don't have to, I could finally be a closer. You know, I want to be a closer. <laughs> Closers are super serious. I don't have time for cold calls. So I have, uh, I, I have absolutely had call anxiety many different times. And the reason that I got into consulting about five years ago here is I, figured out what solved that anxiety for me and i've become kind of obsessed with bringing that to other companies and you know it's kind of like one of those light bulb moments where you go hey this works like mm. this actually works so that's what i've been doing this is what I, this is what i do today and uh I, i'm all about helping people have actual live conversations with people and giving them a process a structure and a framework to do so it's uh, it's funny, isn't it? But I wonder if this might be a generational thing. But certainly, people of my age group—I know this among, amongst friends as well as colleagues—there's uh, quite a lot of people who are still, you know, they're intimidated when, not even if they're making the call, when the phone rings. Do, why do you think that might be? Why is it that there is this cold call? Why why is there anxiety around phone calls? Do you think? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that for a second because. Uh... A lot of salespeople don't like making cold calls because of the people in the office, right? Of the people that are in the working environment. I don't really think anybody has to like in their job, put their ego on the line, mm -hmm. right? Have this moment of absolute rejection and, you know, abject failure of, of when someone says, no, I'm not interested. Take me off your list. Don't call me ever again. And hangs up right so salespeople have this really unique edge to our job which by the way if i'm being honest that's why I'm, i work in sales why i'm in the industry because mm. i live for that you know makes my makes the heart beat a little bit here right you can feel the blood pumping when you're doing 
things in sales because there is an edge to it. There is a what if to it. Now, cold calling, if you think about it, is very unique in that it is done on my time. I decide when I want to cold call you. I decide when I want to have this conversation. Cold email and all these other forms, sure, it takes a little bit of, uh, you know, chutzpah or gumption or whatever you want to say, some, some huevos to reach out and send that cold email and, you know, say, hey, Joe, I think you would like my whatever. Mm. Uh, but when you hit send, that's a really quick little moment and it's done. And then you forget about it. You go do something else and then you send that over to someone else and they get to take their time, their time, not my time, to sit there, read it. Mm-hmm. go to the website, you know, then kind of thoughtful reply, right? And that only happens one in a thousand times. <laughs> uh, very, very, very low odds, uh, low, lower response rates are pretty normal for cold email. With cold calling, because it's instantaneous and it's happening right then and there, a lot of times the person you're calling wasn't expecting your call, right? Of course not, it's a cold call, but they're not in the market. Like the the sad truth about sales is that most people are not even in the market. And there's like nothing you can do mm. to make them be in the market, right? Like the the analogy that I always like to give that helps it, you know, center it in some people's minds, because a lot of reps will say, Well, my marketing team told me that we're the top provider in the space. They told me that our features are just groundbreaking. I can't believe why anyone wouldn't want to, you know, take a meeting with me. Well, the metaphor is imagine you're, you're, you work for Tesla and you're trying to go outbound to sell Tesla cars. And the first conversation, first way you might start a conversation is, Hey, do you have a car that sell cars? And most people are going to say, yeah, I got a car. Okay. Is your car broken? Do you need a new car? No, it's fine. Doing all right. Well, do you want a hundred thousand dollar electric car? <laughs> That's expensive. No, what? No, sorry. I didn't ask for this call. Take me off your list, right? That's how a lot of these cold call conversations go. Okay. So cool. I mean, to, to, to wrap up this point, um, cold calling anxiety happens because of the nature of phone calls. Phone calls are right now. It's happening. It's live. And your ego is on the line. It's the only thing that like, it's the only thing that I know of where your ego is really right then and there on the line and in a matter of seconds. You can feel really, really good or really, really bad. It's I suppose it's it's perhaps a mixture of the the fear of the unknown and and that vulnerability that you mentioned by having, as you say, putting your ego on the line that makes it all the more terrifying. Absolutely. Well, or maybe not terrifying, but it can be terrifying. What then are some common signs that you're experiencing cool anxiety? What are the sort of symptoms, if you like? I, you know, so I think the number one symptom is you don't make enough calls, right? There's That's a, interesting. Yeah. There's a, uh, in every sales job, there's this ramp period. And this is generally when I start working with companies, right? When they're trying to build a team or, right? Because they want to get off on the right foot. Uh, I, I do coach existing SDR teams as well. That's a little bit more rare. But in this ramp period, reps will find all sorts of work to do that is kind of like busy work. And they'll, they'll, they'll do anything to make sure they can do that throughout the day. And then be like, shoot, supposed to make 40 calls today. I didn't. I made five, right? And they'll have one good conversation 
with somebody in, in, in a, in a five, six call window and they'll take 30, 40 minutes to write the follow-up email. They'll send it to their manager for approval before they, they send it over and then, then they wait and then they go to lunch and then they come back from lunch. They check Instagram, they go on LinkedIn, they comment on a bunch of posts, they do more research. Oh, and then the manager gets back saying, oh, yeah, you missed a period and a comma in this line. And then they send the follow-up email and then they go, oh, well, there's only an hour left in the day. I wouldn't want to interrupt someone in the hour left of the day. <laughs> and then they go home, right? So that, how do I know that happens? I live that, right? And, and I've coached teams that do this, right? It's because they don't have a process and a structure to how they do calling. And at the end of the day, it really comes down to three key areas. And that's the, this is the way that we're going to beat the tundra, right? These three key areas. People, meaning the people that you're putting on the phone need to have training. They need to understand what to say, why to say it, how to say it, how to overcome objections. Because guess what? Like we, like we said earlier, most people aren't in the market. So that's an objection. How do we have those conversations when we hit these roadblocks? That's the people part process. They need to have a defined way that they go from net new lead in a database to, okay, I'm calling this person right now. It can't be chicken hunt and peck, right? Like one, one at a time. And then technology. The other thing that I am passionate about is it, it, it's just, it, the year is 2023, right? If you are not using technology when you are, building your cold calling and outbound process, you are going to get left behind. You're not going to have the results. And guess what? You can make the job really, really hard on the sales rep and just say, hey, look, I don't want to pay for that $100 a month, $300 a month dialer. Uh, that's so expensive. All right, sales rep, I'm paying you five grand a month. You just grind and grind and grind and grind because I won't pay for the $300 dialer. And then the sales rep says, F this, I quit. And they leave because their job sucks. And they're pounding on the phone all day and they're clicking the call and they're doing all this. So you can make a better work experience by using technology and you go faster and you get more connects and all that stuff, right? So people process technology is how you beat the tundra. So then let's, um, let's start with the, the people part of that then. The, the people who are on the phones who are making the calls. What practical things can they do almost immediately following our conversation here today, Kevin? What can they immediately start doing that is going to help reduce that anxiety and see a, an up, upturn in results? Yeah, so the, I think the number one thing that people kind of skip over or don't do for kind of whatever reason, I, I, there, some of the gurus out there on LinkedIn are, are peddling the concept that you shouldn't have a cold call script. And I, like, those those voices out there, they, people who say you don't need to have a script for cold calling, people who have very limited experience with actual cold calling, and they probably have a lot of what we call work experience, right? Means they know a lot about a lot in the working world. Mm. So they say, I don't want a script. I don't want to sound like a robot or sound recorded. I'm just going to go call this person and talk because they know what to talk about right? They've got all this experience. I got into this debate the other day with a guy who's like very senior and he's like, scripts make you sound robotic. I'm like, dude, you, you don't need a script, but guess what? Bob is 23 years old, just graduated from university and just got his first job. What is he going to talk about on the phone? He doesn't know anything, right? 
uh, cold calling, just like cold email, should be a strong mixture of art and science, right? The science part of cold calling is you have to use a reliable, repeatable process and then change single variables in order to test what works. That means you need to be saying something very similar every time you call to then make a scientific deduction of what works and what doesn't. So the number one thing that anyone listening to this right now can go do is make a script. Now, when you make your scripts, I mean, we could have a whole, a whole, uh, we could do a webinar series, a five hour long webinar. <laughs> I could talk till I'm blue in the face because I'm a, I'm a geek, a cold calling geek. Um, when you make your script, the most simple thing to remember about a good script is that it's not about you. Well, Kevin, I'm calling to set meetings. They don't know who I am. I need to tell them who. I am. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's part of part of it is saying, "Hey, I'm Kevin with Hop Consulting Group. We help outbound. We we, we help uh, B2B companies develop outbound process structure and strategy." But that's like it, right? The next big piece of your script, the the part where you ask them a critical question about their business, right? That needs to be about them or talking about a story of what you've done for other people like them. Mm. There's really only two things that someone would take a meeting for, and that is a business problem or a valuable solution that you've identified, right? Sometimes you talk about the business problems and they say, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah. yeah, no, we're, we're doing good. Like everything over here is just a-okay. Yeah, we're, we're doing good. Thanks, man. Thanks for the call. Then you talk about what you do, which I call the valuable solution. And you, you talk about the value it brings to other potential customers and other customers. And they go, well, I mean, well, how do you do that? Well, well, that sounds a little different. All right, cool. They'll take a meeting to learn about your valuable solution without admitting pain. And this is, this is, a, this is in direct conflict, Joe, with a lot of other old school trainers who are like, pain, pain, pain. It's all about pain. You got to find the pain. Well, I, look, I've made a million cold calls and I've coached hundreds of reps i'm here to tell you most people are not walking around in pain they're just not <laughs> so if, if you're only going to i'm finding people with problems i'm finding people with pain you're going to have success a very small percentage of the time so you have to you have to build a talk track that talks about what you do for them and give somebody context as to why you're reaching out to them specifically and why now and at the end of the day, you should only be talking about business challenges and valuable solutions. Um, so you've, you, you touched there on, um, you know, giving the context as to why you have called them on that specific day at that specific time. That then leads me to want to understand a bit more about the, the preparation process that goes into before you've even, you know, picked up the phone. What are the, what are the stages of preparation that you have to do before you call somebody? Yeah, great, great question. And this is another hotly debated thing on LinkedIn where a lot of these gurus, once again, that don't cold call, they don't cold call really. I mean, they cold call like 10 times a week or something. But if you're, if you're serious about developing legitimate pipeline with cold calling, you have to put together a process that is reliable. Now, what does that mean? That means uh, batching your prospects and not treating each prospect like it's an individual unique little snowflake right if you treat each prospect as a snowflake and you put in all the time and effort i go i research everything about joe i find out what part of england you live in i found out the university you went to 
And then I find out, you know, what your mom had for breakfast this morning. And I, I know all this stuff. And I'm like, ah, now I'm ready to make the call. Let me ask you a question, Joe. If I know everything about you and I give you a call, does that in any way affect whether or not you're going to pick up the phone? Uh, it, it doesn't, although, I, you know, to verify, I probably would have to check with my mum what she had for breakfast once I did answer. And I imagine the answer would be poached eggs of some kind. So. <laughs> poached eggs. Poached eggs. What about bangers and mash? Isn't that what you guys eat in England? Not for breakfast. Come on, Kevin. We're not monsters. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, so I guess the, the, the point I'm trying to make here is, you know, you need to batch your prospects into lists. You need to be calling lists. The list should not be random. The list should not be everybody I want to talk to, right? And what I talk about a lot is the perfect list size is somewhere between 150 and 300 people. Because if you're using a dialing tool, you can get through that in a session. Even if you're having a lot of connects, that's about a two to three hour session. If you're not getting a lot of connects, it'll go faster. But the, you know, the number one, the first problem here is we have to know who we're calling and what we want to say to them. The second problem is most people don't pick up the phone, right? And that's the, where that third bucket of technology comes in. It's 2023, right? Our phones, when you call somebody, tells you so much about who's calling. And people are very reluctant to pick up the phone. So you got to use technology to get around that problem. That's my take on it. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I was going to say, I think we will we'll come on to the technology in a minute. But I did have another question that I wanted to ask specifically about you know the people uh, side of things so one of the the most frequently discussed topics when i'm doing you know podcast webinars on linkedin whatever a lot of people talk an awful lot about mindset mm -hmm. so what is it that sales people can do to adjust their mindset fortify their mindset you know but particularly when we're dealing with a lot of rejection what are the steps they can take to change their mindset so they can cope with a the rejection of cold calling but then just cope with you know the anxiety around picking up the phone in the first place for sure for sure that's a great question so when it comes to a mindset of a good cold caller someone that has to make cold calls um, it helps to have a short memory it helps to be able to to let things go move move forward very quickly when someone tells you to eat your own socks uh but for me, and, and this is what I have taken to many different companies, and it has really transformed the way their reps think about the phone. I get anxious about something when I'm not prepared, right? Like, I, I think some of us at some point all have that recurring nightmare of you're in front of the whole class at school, you're giving a presentation on something and you forget what you're supposed to say. You forget and you feel silly, right? Because you were not, you're not prepared. You didn't really do, you didn't really do the reading. You didn't really... Right. Uh, or maybe that was just me. That's how I got through. No, I hard relate to that one myself, Kevin. Yeah. 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 I scraped through it really uh, without doing the reading. Just did spark notes and stuff like that. But uh, so having a rock solid process and structure to where you, you're confident that, hey, I'm going to press go and I know what I'm going to say because I have my script. I, I know every piece of this. I know what can happen. I know my universe of, of options. Right. And the, the hard part is if you're if you're very new to cold calling, you don't know what can happen, right? The first time someone says, no, I'm not the right person, you got to talk to Steve. First referral you get, right? First time someone says, I'm actually no longer at that organization, but thanks for the call. 
oh, well, shoot, I got a data problem. Oh, well, everyone has a data problem. Data is a, it's a whole other conversation. It's really tough. But every time you have someone on the phone, that's an opportunity, right? So you could say, oh, you're not there. You get a new gig? Where, where, where are you now? Oh, well, I'm at the competitor. Well, your value is probably very similar to the competitor than I would have been to that one. So having, making the most out of every conversation is, is challenging. Um, but there are, there are a few things that are kind of like mantras that I talk about that really embody kind of the mindset of a cold caller. And one of them is uh, be an interesting person who's interested in other people, right? And this comes back to the core tenet of being a good salesperson, which is curiosity. If you're not a curious person, you are not going to be a great salesperson. You can be a salesperson, sure. I mean, there are sales jobs all over the place that absolutely suck and they're mindless and it's like kind of inbound and you just say, hey, what's up? Saw you fill out a form. Uh, how much do you want? You want this or that? And that's the whole sales job, right? Like I know people who make six figures doing that. True, mm. true story. It would suck my soul out of my, out of my body if I did that. I hate that. But be interesting and interested in your prospects. You know, the interest in your prospects part is kind of self-explanatory. And, and, and I mean, beyond getting a meeting, right? Everyone's like, yeah, I'm interested for them to take a meeting so I can get commission. Okay, okay we get that, dude. Calm down. Turn down the commission breath a little bit, right? I mean, if you hear a dog barking, you say, oh, that sounds like a big dog. Or it sounds like a small dog, whatever it is, right? <laughs> Ask them about their dog. Oh, you hear their kids in the back. You say, oh, wow. And you might not have kids. You say, look, I got nieces and nephews or I got cousins. And uh, they're always yelling at the worst times. How old are your kids? Be interested in the people on the other end of the line and talk about things that are not directly taking a meeting to buy your crap. Mm. And you'll be amazed at the quality of conversation because sales is people selling to people. And that's why I love phone sales. So I can get into this deep conversation with somebody that's a complete stranger mm. and it's valuable and it's fun, right? So there's the interested in them, but being interesting as a caller is a superpower. I'm not talking about superpowers, right? Like people that people that have a, a tonality and a pace and the way they go about a conversation that makes people just kind of lean forward and go, you don't sound like the telemarketers that blow up my phone every day. You know, it's not, hello, sir or madam, can I speak to the property owner? Of the right? Like if you sound different, you sound interesting, you have an interesting story to your life and you bring that into the call in these conversations you have with people, you're going to have a lot better conversations. And that's what we want. We want good conversations because not, I mean, not every call is going to be a meeting, but the thing that's so unique about cold calling is I can walk away from a cold call and say, I didn't get a meeting with Joe, but I found out where his priorities lie. I found yeah. out what he's working with. I know he's working with our competitor. And I can follow up in three months with some very specific information about what we do differently than that competitor. And you don't get any of that if Joe looks at my cold email and goes, oh, I'm good. Delete. Yeah, absolutely. That happens hundreds of times a day. Hundreds of times a day. People just hit delete on cold emails. I, I do it every morning. I delete cold emails. That's what happens. That was the first thing you do, isn't it? What I really yeah. enjoyed about that, that answer that you just gave, Kevin, to, to my question you've really embodied uh, Ted, uh, two lessons that I learned from Ted Lasso, the be a goldfish, yes. just forget it, move on and uh, be curious as well. Yeah. They sounded exactly like Ted Lasso to my British ears. So that was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I did promise you we would get onto the technology side of things. So uh, let's let's do that then. What are the, the the tools that you use to help with your cold calling to help reduce the cold call anxiety? What is it that you're using? So uh, I, I, there are, there are a number of different tools out there. I'm not going to name names because n- no one's paying me for this webinar. Like they, they're not <laughs> this webinar. I do have a sponsored podcast. Go check out Hop on Calls. Um, that that is fun, but. Uh, so there are three tiers to the auto dialer market. <clears throat> and this is, uh, this is, this in itself is super valuable information. Most people like that. I, I might build a, a graphic of it and put it on my LinkedIn profile to show people what this really looks like, because all of these companies, marketing messages blend together and makes you go, well, isn't it the same as this and this and this? And people ask me all the time, Hey, do you like this dialer or do you like that dialer? I said, well, they're not the same thing. You're comparing apples and oranges, right? The three tiers of the auto dialer market, the top tier, which is going to be the most expensive tier, is going to be agent-assisted dialing platforms. So these are platforms where you are not actually making the dials. You're putting a list in and you're hitting go, but you're paying for a call center agent somewhere else to punch in the numbers, listen to the phone ring and say, hey, Joe, and you go, yeah, this is Joe. Live transfer to me. It's like having a little executive assistant that's doing the calling for you. Mm. It's friggin' sweet. It's so easy. It's so it's it's effortless. You don't have to mess you don't have to mess around with like <clears throat> what number you're calling from or anything like that. They, they, the system takes care of all of it. It's just mm. it's the most expensive tier of the market. It's like the most, it's the top tier of the market, right? <clears throat> The middle tier of the market is what is starting to really get popular. And it's, to be honest, because it, it is priced now, nowadays it's starting to be priced in a way that is very approachable for any sort of organization. Middle tier is AI dialers. AI dialers are going to call AI or parallel dialers. They're going to call multiple numbers at once. They're going to use artificial intelligence to listen for, hello, it's Joe, or hello. And then they live connect you to that person so you're only talking to people who pick up the phone and you're skipping all the people who don't pick up the phone so that is like it's, it's magic that middle tier of the market and, and you know to give you give some pricing context right this top tier of the market per rep per month will be anywhere from six thousand dollars a month down to like two thousand dollars a month per rep per month like very expensive because you're paying for a, an executive assistant and you're paying for the tech and you're paying for all that it's very expensive the middle tier of the market you can find these dialers at you know anywhere from like 180 to 350 dollars a month, and get this AI dialing power. It's really good. And the bottom tier of the market is called power dialers. These are the ones that love to talk about cold calling and they put out a lot of content and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but your tech goes so freaking slow, right? Mm. And and it, it, there is a big thing that is true, which is these companies advocate for a different model of outbound than kind of the one that I. T- um, but they're also very, the tech is old. So what power dialers do is they call one at a time. Calling Joe, ring, 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 ring. Joe doesn't pick up. I have to hit next call. I have to click that. Next call. Ring, 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 ring. Pick up. Right. So it's, it's just going one after another, which by the way is great. If you're doing, if you're calling my hand today. By all means, get a power dialer. You can get them from starting at like 50 bucks a month to 180, 
$200 a month, right? And they'll integrate nicely with your systems and all that. But data is a big, big problem for everybody, meaning contact data, right? Because people don't stay at companies. People change their numbers all the time. Hmm. So if you have just a big, you know, a big, big database that you guys subscribe to your company pays for, I wouldn't be surprised if you actually went and tested all the numbers. If only 30, 40% of the direct numbers or mobiles are actually accurate. This is Joe. He's at this company. This is his number. So if you know that and you know that you need to get into conversations, you can use the power dialer to save a few bucks or I advocate for using the parallel dialer because you can go way faster to try and get to the same. But again, I guess it depends on your sort of your budget and that sort of thing for those particular technologies. But no, a hundred percent, as you say, if you're using a hand today, then you know your power dial is going to be you know a step in the right direction, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kevin, you have offered up an awful lot of value um, to our to our viewers today, and it, I've really really enjoyed uh, getting to hear your thoughts on all things cold call anxiety. I'm going to come. I'm going to start to wrap up our conversation right now, Kevin. You, you've provided with lo- us with loads of takeaways for uh, uh, defending ourselves against the uh, the, the core anxiety conjure. Yeah. If I was, if I were to ask you for just one final tip, one absolute golden rule to keep when you're coming up against cold call anxiety, what would that absolute golden rule be? Uh, I think the you know I think the number one golden rule that will help battle anxiety specifically. Before you pick up the phone to make that first call, before you hit go on the dialer, before you're going to do this, let me just whisper something in your ear. They're not interested. Okay. All right. All right. We got that out of the way. We got that out of the way. All right. We got it. Take it. Put it over there. Now that we covered that, they're not interested. Your goal, find out why. Be curious. Understand what's going on in their business that they think that they don't need the valuable solutions that you have and they don't have the business problem. But because you already know they're not interested, when they say that, you're not going to be like, oh, well, my, my marketing team didn't say you'd say that. They said that we have the greatest stuff in the features. And, right? That, that's what happens to so many reps is the ego death moment happens the second they face a little bit of rejection. And the, the, the true fact of it is most people are not interested because they don't have the problems or... Or they don't understand, you're, you're doing a poor job of contextualizing what your solution really could do for them. And why is it different than what I have today? Right? To real quick, go back to the metaphor of the car, right? You could sell a Tesla as, hey, do you want to buy a $100,000 car? Or you could sell a Tesla by saying, hey, what if your car drove you to work every day? And it was good for the environment. And you didn't have to pay for gas. Fantastic stuff. Oh, okay. That's a little different. Tell me how you're doing that. That, that, That's different, right? Think about talking about things in a different way. Fantastic. Kevin, thank you so much for sharing your B2B superpowers with us today. Remember to keep an eye on Leave Forensic Socials for news of our upcoming webinars, and we will see you again very, very soon. Until then, Kevin Hopp, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Joe. Cheers. 
Well, there we go. Kevin Hop on how to beat cold call anxiety. I hope you enjoyed that, and more so do I hope that you've taken something away that can help you. Remember to subscribe to the B2B Sales Playbook podcast wherever you get your pods, and give us a five-star rating where possible. We'll be back next week with another episode of the B2B Sales Playbook podcast.